This is Colby Murphy representing Compass Jackson Hole, and you are listening to the Real Talk podcast. I welcome Colby Murphy on the Real Talk podcast on episode 80. Originally, Colby is from the land of the Delta Blues. He grew up as a nationally ranked cyclist, and he even earned a spot on Team USA for the 2013 UCI World Championships in Auckland, New Zealand. Fun fact about Colby, while attending Middle Tennessee State University, I believe Sam Hunt is an alumni of Middle Tennessee I University. I believe you're correct. Yeah. Uh, Colby interned with the D1 NFL Combine Camp Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I am only emphasizing this because we are recording this right during the NFL Combine Week in March. Uh, Colby's father is a self-made entrepreneur and his uncle was also a previous owner of a real estate brokerage in Mexico City. And that seems to have inspired Colby's uh, ambitions from an early age to start his own business as a real estate broker here in Jackson Hole. We're going to talk a lot about Colby. We'll get to know him. And as always, I appreciate my listeners for listening. If you have not yet, please go back to my previous episode with my friend Jason Saft, who is one of the top interior designers in the United States. He, him and I have been in industry college for 14 years, and he gives us a wealth of knowledge about the world of real estate within the, the micro sector and the importance of interior design. In any event, we're here now with Colby. Colby, welcome. Thanks, Talk. Thanks, thanks for having me. And I'm so st- Stoked to have you here in Jackson Hole. Stoked. That's the word. That's the, you're in a ski town. The mountain town. There you go. It's the mountain town. I'm, this is my fourth episode recording in a mountain town. So I did two in Aspen. I did one in Vail. So yeah, this is my fourth. And you know, I'm really excited to come, be in Jackson Hole. I haven't been here in probably 20 plus years. First time I came was in the summertime with my family when I was a kid, maybe early teens. And I don't remember much, you know, as a teenager, you don't really remember like impactful things, but you don't really remember like all the trips, right? right? Maybe that's just me, but I remember seeing uh, horses, elk, fish, because we went fishing. And we saw, we saw like really, really cool, smooth stones on a lake. Okay, <laughs> probably up in Grand Teton. Yeah, that's it, not Grand Teton, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I'm really excited to come back as an adult and also, sure. obviously, in the wintertime to, you know, shred that pal and be stoked. Yeah, there you go. That's right, stoked. All yeah. right, so before we begin to get to know you, you know, we're going to start a section called One Word Answers. One Word Answers is essentially just give me the first word that comes to your mind based on the, the topics and the words that I've catered to potentially you and your market. First word is the Jackson Hole real estate market. Rarified. Secondary home owners. Common. Teton Village. Pow. Pow? Short for powder. Good. Okay, powder, <laughs> yeah. For those non-shredders out there. There you pow. go. Employee housing. A challenge. Challenge, yeah. Grand Teton. Iconic. Corbett's shoe. Vertical. <laughs> and I guess they also call it Corbett's Collier? Cool, Coulard. Coulard. Corbett's Sorry. Coulard. Yeah. Corbett's Coulard. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, the appropriate name, I believe. Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. Million Dollar Cowboy. Legendary. Legendary. Kings and Queens. Intense. <laughs> Impressive. Impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Impressive. Elkfest. Large. Large. Okay. Um, I just Googled this. I've never been. I'm not I could totally... also say uh, uh, philanthropic. Philanthropic. Okay. Yeah. Great. The Shootout. Old. 
been going on for a long time. Now, I believe this is a in one of the biggest festivals here in Jacksonville, correct? It is. The shootout? Mm -hmm. uh, well, the no, the, sh the shootout alone is just, it's like a reenactment, it's like a play. In fact, they, they utilize some of the actors at the Playhouse here. And it's basically, it, you know, it all started with, you know, there's you know, a story way back in the day where, you know, this bad guy, you know, came into town and, you know, he was the, back when this place was, you know, settled. Biggest, baddest, ugliest, meanest guy around and, you know, he, threatened to, you know, kill anyone in his way. Uh-huh. Um, Wild West, huh? Wild West. And, you know, I believe it's called like the Cash Creek Gang or something, you know, would come down and uh, defend the women, children, and everybody. So it's kind of, that's the, uh, that's where it comes from. The good and guys versus the bad guys. Exactly. And it's a play. It happens uh, during the summer. It's, it's a nightly thing, except for Sundays. Yes. And you can catch it right here on the town square. Okay. Great. Yeah. Going on, geographical locations. So, Vail, Colorado. Lux. Lux. Aspen, Colorado. Extremely Lux. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Even more expensive. Yeah. New York City? The center of the world. Center of the universe. S center. Okay. <laughs> That's my word. Florida, Miami, South Miami, South Beach. I'll go ahead and say this. This is my word. Favorite. Favorite. Okay. <laughs> oh, so you have it. You're okay. You're, yeah. a Mi you're a Miami guy. Great. Los Angeles, San Diego. Santa Barbara, Montecito. Yep. Weather. Weather. Okay. Seattle. Rain. Rain. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. And finally, Washington, D.C. Capital. Capital. <laughs> That's it. Capital. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, I actually just met another agent here who's originally from D.C., Morgan. Okay. She's a Compass. She was not a Compass, D.C., but she's from D.C. area. Nice. And moved to Jackson. I feel like a, it's a good move. Megan. Was it Morgan? Megan or Morgan? I, I may be mistaken, but either way, okay. Either way. So, okay, great. And then, so one, one fun fact that I researched, the Tetons received their name from the French-Canadian trappers who accompanied the earliest British expeditions into this territory. They approached the range from the west and behold, three towering mountains upon which they bestowed the name Trois, T-R-O-I-S, I may be, I may be uh, butchering this, Trois Tetons, mm -hmm. or they would call it the, they would call it, the British would call it the, the three breasts. Correct. Yeah, so, uh, fun fact, you know, so, uh, sorry, I'm an out-of-towner, so I just had to. <laughs> You're spot on. <laughs> I just had to say that. Um, but yes, the, the, the mountains are pretty iconic in the way that they're so vertical and they jagged. Are. And I, I also read this, plates around the Tetons are continuing to shift still to this day. So right. I think the mountain is still rising a little yes, bit. Yes, I don't know the measurement, but it's technically, supposedly they are they're growing. It's like Hawaii. Years. Right. Right. It's continuing. So the Hawaii, I, I believe a new island is forming here. Right. The, the, our sea level is getting lower while the, the while the vert is getting higher. Is that's, that? That's what I understand. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. it's really interesting in and that that's, aspect. And that's why I kind of, you know, this landscape is a little bit different than, you know, some of the other mountain towns. Like the Rocky Mountain towns. You yeah. know, yeah. Like a lot of, a lot of our, you know, a lot of where we live, uh, our daily lives are down here in the valley, mm -hmm. but you have this just vertical wall, and that's that's what gives us the incredible views and the, you know, just the, that majestic view. It's, mm -hmm. it's pretty intense. Gotcha. Uh, so next, I would like to kind of ask you a couple quick questions. You know, answer them in a couple sentences for me. We will start with, you know, you're from the Delta Blues. And where exactly is the Delta Blues? So, so Delta Blues is actually a music style or genre. Mm -hmm. um, and that originated in the Mississippi Delta. Okay. Um, and that's just the region. Mississippi Delta is a region. I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, actually. So right there at the border. And 
that's actually where you know blues you got bb king and also inspired you know elvis and and so forth so that's that's the land of the delta blues right okay and her home of country music yeah got it great talk talk to me about cycling in your opinion who's the goat of cycling uh in my opinion uh sam willoughby of okay. australia a brief training partner of mine oh wow i'm um, in san diego okay incredible human being uh incredible uh competitor you know world champion and yeah he's actually has a new documentary out called ride um, so you guys should check that's it out. on Netflix or uh, I'm not sure the source now it just just came out here recently but it should be super inspiring great tell me about your cycling background what got you into it what's the story behind your I know I mean this is your been your life yes, for a while it was as a professional the, the life my life the majority I mean that's kind of what my dad took me to the track I think when I was uh, six years old uh, a local track BMX track I had loved riding Amazing. my bicycle since I was like three, so yeah. it was just natural. He, he wanted to. And your take dad me. was a BMXer. Um, he he rode for fun, you know, here and there, but sure. he never competed. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that's fine. And uh, <laughs> and so yeah, he took me to the track, and then I was you know I won like the first six races I ever signed in, signed into, and I just became addicted. The B, that, so you started out BMX life. racing. Yes. So, so those are like dirt, like little rollers and ramps and kickers and yep. tabletops. Yeah, so it's the dirt track. They're about 400 meters long. Mm -hmm. They have, uh, you know, they're made of dirt, very well manicured. And yeah, sometimes there's big asphalt turns, but there's big bank turns and about four straightaways typically. Mm -hmm. um, they come out to be about 400 meters. So it's a sprint, just like, you know, we trained kind of like a, a 400 meter sprinter, 200 meter sprinter. Uh-huh. Yeah. And tell me about your peak of your career. You said you were, uh, I mean, you said you were on the U.S. team. Yeah, so, the, am the, uh, the U.S. amateur team. So I was, I don't know, probably the peak was, you know, I had just started working with this new coach uh, from Australia in college and is actually Sam's coach that I just mentioned and uh, started making a lot of progress uh, towards the back half of my, my college years and ended up getting silver at the USA, USA Cycling National Championship. That qualified me to go compete with the uh, USA Worlds team. So that was pretty much the peak. I mean, I, had, and I was, was doing pretty well. Um, and then after that, turned like what they call A Pro, single A Pro. It's like just under the elite, like the same as like MLB or mm -hmm. NBA, uh, for, for our sport. Sure. Of course, we weren't you know, as large as that. But, right. But uh, that's the comparison. And yeah, I was starting to, you know, I'm starting to lead, lead the pack in some of those, some of those races as a, a pro. Um, and then had an injury and it, you know, it was pretty nagging. It kept kind of persisting and I was having some trouble with it. And I was getting tired of getting beat up, man. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> we, I we, take, we take a lot, of, a lot of falls and, you know, I just kind of wasn't, uh, I was like, I don't know, it's probably time to start putting some putting this effort into something else, something lucrative. <laughs> well, well, tell me about yeah. the, the, the lucrative part. Yeah. Is this professional cycling career a sustainable career for most people or, you know, you don't really hear it in the headlines as much. Yeah. Racers I mean, and I mean it, it is. I mean, it's, it's I will say it's uh, those guys that in general, they're they don't get enough uh, recognition for how much they work and put into I mean, it yeah, versus yeah. versus their, you know, their output versus their input, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, those guys, especially at the Olympic level, man, they'll train for a four-year cycle and, you know, something could happen at the end. Those are the Tour de France guys. Uh, no, BMX, BMX cycling is actually an Olympic sport. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, any sort of variable could be out of your control and blow that whole thing. So, and they just don't get, obviously, they don't get the, 
the uh, press and everything that a lot of you know the mainstream sports. Sure, no, they don't. That's the thing. It's kind right. of like, um, so, unless you're really into it. So there's guys follow I mean, it, right? Right. I mean, and there's there's guys that are you know making a living. I don't know. I don't know what the ratio would be. You know, you know, there's a lot of people trying to make money at the NFL. So that ratio is also very, you know, so I, who knows what that ratio looks like. But I mean, there's guys that make money doing it, but there's also, you know, can be just for the passion. Some of the most successful professionals that I've met in real estate have at, come from extremely competitive jobs and backgrounds and professions. Yeah. Whether it's you're a Juilliard musician. Right. There is a, a New York City agent that is fairly well regarded. He was a professional trumpet player. Sure. Prior to coming into brokerage. Mm -hmm. There are top Wall Street people. You know, Leonard Steinberg actually, uh, not Wall Street, but he was in the fashion world for really? a long time. Obviously, you have uh, other agents that come from law backgrounds that are extremely competitive or right. uh, maybe in Jackson Hole, maybe, you know, probably a lot of down, uh, Olympic skiers or ex-professional right. snowboarders. There is one in Aspen that was a, a professional snowboarder, competed sure. in free... And um, yeah, it, yeah, injuries can get you. But I think what I'm getting to is you must have learned a lot of what discipline is or what training is or what being consistent means to building something that achieving a goal or winning a competition. And I think that's very similar. It translates into our business, doesn't it? Or what, what do you think? Absolutely. You're spot on. In fact, that's, that's really spot on. I think, especially individual sports, um, you know, team sports are also great and they teach you a lot of things about working with people and building a team and leadership and all that. But the, the individual sports like cycling and maybe like track and field or some of the other things, uh, you know, like you don't have anyone to lean on. You know, you don't have anyone to, you know, make up for, you know, when you're not That's right. holding your weight. Sure. Um, so you have a lot of, uh, a lot of pressure, a lot of, you know, you, you just have a lot. It teaches you a lot of the, the characteristics that you associate with a lot. Um, successful realtors, uh, grit, tenacity, those things that that type of sport teaches you. Right. Yeah. It's good. Consistency and dis discipline, yeah. is, I think. Yeah. I mean, some you you got to go and get after right. it when no one's telling you to. You have to train when yeah. you don't want to train. Right. You have to push when you're slightly injured. Right. right. There are some things that you don't want to do and you're kind of mapping your brain to sure. go through those motions that maybe you don't want to do. Translates, it translates well that's to, right. to okay. real estate. Now, we are on a podcast show. Uh, do you have any favorite podcasts of your own that you listen to? Oh, man. Um, let's see. Or you dabble with? I just started. You know, I, I dabble with some of them. I know Grant Cardone has one. Yeah. Um, I've, you know, listened to here and there. Yeah, so I mean, some <laughs> of that stuff. I mean, I, I guess I dabbled in them. And I actually asked him to, to come on my podcast once. He has, like, a website that says, like, if you want me on your podcast. Oh, really? <laughs> he never responded. No. <laughs> He's too big. Way too big for me. But okay, cool, cool. Uh, yeah. Now, you live here in Jackson Hole. Do you have a favorite city or state outside of Jackson Hole? Maybe, I mean, you might say Tennessee, but do you have another you know, city or town or maybe even a country? I love the weather and the vibe in Southern California. Okay, I thought he was about um, to say Florida because it's in Miami well, all the time. But for favorite city, <laughs> it's, it's Miami. I mean, it's Miami. Miami, And yeah. the reason for that, I think, is because it's the absolute opposite of Jackson Hole. Yeah. The absolute opposite. Like you can't be any more opposite than, yeah. than Miami and Jackson. Yeah. So, and you know, the people, I, the culture, yeah, you know, the weather, the, Latin the style, culture, the lights, and the noise, the way they talk, the way they walk, exactly. the way they act. Exactly. And so that's I don't get that here because it's you know it's a smaller town. And yeah. It's uh it's it's perfect in its own ways. And then most definitely. So when I leave here, I want want something you know change it up a little bit. Okay. Um, any countries outside the U.S.? Spain. 
Spain. Okay, why is that? I actually just got back from there in, uh, last fall, and I just absolutely loved it. Um, spent a lot of time in Barcelona, and it's just such a well-balanced city. I just loved everything about Run it. Run with the Bulls, um, or haven't done that yet, yeah. but I'm talking with some buddies. We we may get after. All that. right, be careful. Yeah, I know you're a thrill seeker. <laughs> All right, so a lot of us don't know, especially from uh, the outsiders. We don't know what what is the difference as from a local's perspective between you have two big national parks here, you have Yellowstone and you have Grand Teton. What, what is the difference from your perspective as a local? Well, I think just right off the bat, you know, you know, for people that have never been, I mean, it's just the sheer size. We've, you know, what's Yellowstone, like 3,500 square miles. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's massive. And then the other, the difference is gonna be, so, and then you have, so you have Grand Teton, so a bit smaller, the views, you know, I think are extremely dramatic in Grand Teton. I mean, it's some of the most dramatic views you can have in, in the States. Mm -hmm. Yellowstone's gonna have more like thermal features. I think there's over like 10,000 geysers, uh, right. geysers and mud pots and all the thermal activities going up there. So you have more thermal activity. But honestly, I mean, I've, I like Grand Teton because one, I can ride my bike to it. Yeah. You've, I've, I've had more luck with wildlife in Grand Teton. Just, are there bison up there too? Mm -hmm. oh, oh, okay. So where you flew in at the airport, mm -hmm. just north of there, yep. I mean, you'll regularly see bison. Like, oh, wow. Like not far at Very all. cool. And in fact, sometimes they'll come even south of the airport. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. They, uh, they seem to not care about cars based on my, based on my experience in Yellowstone. They're, they're pretty big. They, they know. <laughs> yeah. <that>. They like <laughs> run next to the cars. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, all right. And then as a young-ish broker, do you have, um, what are your thoughts on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, just social media in general? Do you use it? What is your experience with it? Uh, I prefer Instagram. I don't know if it's just my generation where I fit in that whole thing. Um, I really don't like the platform of Facebook, like just like visually and finding stuff. It's because I haven't been using it much. Um, but I do see like when, you know, as far as being strategic and running like, digital ads and digital marketing, it, Facebook seems to outperform Instagram tech, you know, just that's probably because it comes down to the, to the, the demographics of that's right. our clients. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, my, my preference is Instagram. It's the most fun to me. Sure. Okay. And last but not least, what are your thoughts on, if you watch any television, there is HDTV, there is reality, real estate television, million dollar listing and yep. selling, was it Selling LA? There's, there's selling another. Selling Sunset. Selling Sunset. Yeah. Selling Sunset. There's a lot of these shows. Do you watch them? And if so, what are your thoughts? Or do you have any feedback or opinion on them? Um, I've watched I've watched a few. I mean, I, Selling Sunset for obvious reasons, single 30 year old right here. But, <laughs> 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 um, but uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, whether they're, I, I think if they're done right, they can be good for the industry. It's just, I mean, I think there's, you know, you, of course there's that argument, like, is this good for the industry or not? But I don't know. Is That's, it real? Is it real? In your opinion? Uh, I mean, I haven't watched them in depth enough to, to know that. Pro I would probably assume they're leaving out a lot of background work. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, pretty much all of it. I mean, from what I saw on Selling Sunset, it's mostly all the... It's mostly drama. Yeah, it's just the flashy part and the fun it, stuff. And yeah, yeah. None of the real work. Yeah. Which, not saying, you know, that team and brokerage, I mean, they're crushing it. So sure. they're doing all the background work. They're just probably not capturing it on film. Yeah, it's always been interesting to me that the television shows like to show the panache of our industry. They don't show the, the dirt. They don't show the grit that it takes to actually build a business. Yeah. But it, it might be good. I mean, it's good and bad. Maybe it is driving a lot of people into the 
business, which might be a good thing. Right. It just creates more competition. Right. It also might give a, a misconception to our clients that we're actually doing these things in these dramatic ways to make a check that is way over overinflated than what is actually shown right. on television, right? Yeah, you know, that's why I think part of that is sometimes you'll hear, well, what do real estate agents do during the day? You know, like it's because people don't have a don't have a clue. You know, like they're right. just, just getting cocktails like, and like promise me, it's not. I promise you, it's not that fun. I mean, like, you know, oh, yeah. we have our social moments, but there's a lot of more of it is battling it out exactly with people. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, most definitely. All right. Well, let's get into the main section here. I just want to discuss with you, you know, your business here in Jackson Hole, talk about the market a little bit more. For, from an outsider standpoint, someone like myself, I have not sent any referrals to Jackson Hole. I've never sold. I've done I've done so in Aspen and, and right. Vail and Dem lots in Denver myself actually, but not not Jackson yet. You know, who are the buyers of this market, generally speaking? Sure. And are they primary resident people? Are they locals or are they second home people or outsiders? We've called them, I guess, peer to tear buyers. Mm -hmm. you know, what what's the typical demographic here? I mean, of course, we get our, we get our locals that have you know were not from here originally. They you know, most people there's not a ton of people that are just from here. What do you consider a local? A couple five years in, 10, 20 years in. What's the? It's like a, yeah. Do you call yourself a New Yorker? Or you gotta have to live here for you know ten yeah, years. You give a couple winters, couple <laughs> you know. I'd say a couple years. I don't know. I never really. We don't really have a. a you guys don't have a competition about that like New Yorkers do. No, I guess right? so. It's like you're not yeah. New Yorker. You're from DC. You only lived here for four years. Right. Well, it may be more about how much time you spend here a year. Uh huh. <laughs> because yeah, you know, we get a lot of the you know we get a lot of um. You get a lot of second, third, third owners. Second, you know, third, second fourth homeowners. That, those aren't know, those aren't the locals. They, they pop in and use the home a few times maybe. So, so you don't define those buyers as locals or sellers as locals, right? No, yeah. no. You know, if they're they're property owners here, and um, you, could, you know, we call them that. You know, they're, just, they're local property owners. But I think like who? So, so back to your question, you know, yeah. who's buying here? I mean, we, we get several important feeder markets. I mean, we get a ton of people from you know San Francisco, the Bay Area, L.A. You know, I've met several people actually from Newport lately. We got. You know, basically where our direct flights go to, we've gotten, we've, we've added on several, but where else? I mean, we got Dallas. Those Texans, they're all over the place. Yeah, so we got yeah. a lot, lot of Texans. We got a lot of Atlanta, Georgia. Mm -hmm. Of course, your city, New York, ton of New York, mm -hmm. DC, Chicago. New York doesn't seem to have a direct flight back though, which is interesting. Yeah, you may be, you may be in a weird, so it's like, there's, it's seasonal. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't run nonstop. So or, or there are nonstop flights that don't run the full calendar. Sure. So you may be in like maybe when you're leaving, you may be out of that window to get back. I don't have to look at the flight schedule. But. Yeah. Well, I looked at least from here. I looked at the weekends, and I even thought about maybe extending it out so I could catch a direct back. Yeah. But there because we're at the end of the ski season. Is that what it was? You're probably like mm. when your flight here was probably in their window for directs, and then when you're leaving, you're probably out of the window. Uh, I see. But we um, we certainly have them, and when they're on, they're on. I mean, they're they're regular. But uh, yeah, we just picked up Miami, so we have a direct to Miami, which is a big long flight. I awesome. Actually have a friend that um, she she flew out of Miami and was on our tarmac at 9:45 a.m. Wow. So she could have skied that day. Yeah. So she probably took a morning flight, saved two hours, flew at 9 a.m. That's pretty good. So that's pretty that's pretty cool for us. That's a good life. Um, Miami also has direct to Eagle Vale as well, so it makes sense for yeah. you know that area that has so much wealth. Yeah. To uh, have these uh, access access to these types of cities. Yeah. Now, what do investors 
what should they know if they're buying here? They might want to Airbnb it out. They might want to rent it out. They might want to live in it for seasonal, right? Because they're seasonal owners. Sure. What should they know about the day-to-day risks or management type issues that you know this town has with regards to that type of ownership? Well, as far as like risk, I would say we have several property management companies that are very good at what they do oh, good. And, yeah. and handle the short term rental situation mm-hmm. uh, very well. That's kind of what they do. Is what they like what the house in. that we're staying in this week. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's that's an easy. I mean, you know, they take a percentage of the of the revenue. Revenue, and, sure, of course. And, and it's pretty turnkey as far and, and, and you don't have to worry about pipes bursting in the right. winter they or they got caretaker, they're checking on it, you know. If it's gonna even if it's gonna stay vacant, you're not gonna rent it out. I and mean, there's people here, we have people here that will check on the house every so many days. When the temperature gets below X temperature, they'll go check on it. Mm-hmm. And do all the things to, to keep it um, you know, to keep it, you know, maintained. Mm-hmm. So so that that's a no brainer. I mean there's people here to take that off your plate. As far as what you should know, short-term renting here, a couple things. We have about six areas in the valley that are zoned for short-term rentals. So it's important to know where those are at. And when you're doing your due diligence on a property, or even when you're searching for property, if that's your goal, you know, your agent needs to know that so that they can focus on those six areas. You know, they're gonna be, for example, like at Jackson Hole Mountain Resort, Teton Village, like that whole area is short term. We have several countries. So whole area allows short term. Yes, that oh, whole that's, that's all good Teton for visitors. Village. That's good for people that totally. are just wanting to rent and that's what that place is built for. It's built for, you know, vacation, ski vacation. Okay. Um, so it's that's awesome. Um, we have that, but you know the other areas are going to be like uh, golf course and country clubs. You know, around the valley. Okay. Those will be short term. Um, here at Snow King, this area right near the office um, downtown, that'll be short term. So yeah, there's about six total. So it seems like it's managed fairly well. That yes. within those zones, you can do it. Right. And it's not. So it's like 30 we days. We may so let you do it. We may have to get a permit from the city and we're going to think about it. it. It seems to be pretty cut and dry. Yeah, it's pretty cut and dry for uh, most, you know, there's there's one development, there's one new development where there was like a, a permit that had to be purchased from the town, but that was like a that special was, that situation. Was a flute. I mean, that wasn't a common situation. The most common is, is very black and white as far as what's the... Say you're buying a single family home in Teton Village, mm-hmm. which is the base. Mm-hmm. Four bedrooms or five bedrooms, fairly large home. What would be their annual rent this season be like? Or I'm sorry, monthly rent this season be like for a property like that? A monthly rent? Yeah, um, full month. The house that we're staying in. Yeah, was 30 grand for the week. 30 grand for the week, yeah. yeah. So, so we're looking at maybe 150 grand or yeah. so. Yeah. 100, 100 grand at least for yeah. the month. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you get a little bit of a discount in those homes if you stay a little longer than a week? Yeah, of course. Yeah, especially in the, if you go into a month. So we'll get a lot of monthly rentals here. Mm-hmm. So people, will come, like especially in the summer or even ski season, but they'll, they'll come in and say, okay, I, I've got a you know, $40,000, $80,000 a month budget. We want it for the, for the three summer months. Ah, I see. You know, so, okay. so we, we especially during the pandemic, we saw that. Oh, I'm sure. So exploded. Much. Exploded. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's that. And I guess the other thing, you know, uh, someone should know about short-terming is we are seasonal, right? So our shoulder seasons don't perform as well. Our summer is going to be the peak. You know, stuff that's on the mountain at, at Jackson Mountain Resort is going to do fabulous in the winter. You know, and town's going to do great in the winter too. But I would say other things to just consider too is just, you know, if you're looking for just straight cash flow, I mean, that's... That's the, that's the thing with this town, like prices are so high. Investors heavily consider, calculate the appreciation. Better into, than the, into it. Because the appreciation is so high here, 
that's that's what people bank on is more so than just the monthly cash flow. Mm -hmm. And another thing about the investors, tell me about the tax advantages that you know of that you advise on your clients. I know we're not CPAs here, so you obviously sure. cross reference with uh, a certified public accountant, but go ahead. No, I mean I, I can I can I can give you some reasons why we see uh, you know what attracts the the op opulent here. Um, I think this place is beautiful. Uh, it's it's world class in many ways as far as the the skiing the you know the fly fishing all the outdoor activities and pursuits biking all all the yes. outdoor pursuits you could ever dream of you can do it here but a, a, a big a big attra attractant uh, for the wealthy is our uh, trust and tax advantages one of the most advantageous tax and trust advantageous states in the country of course we don't have income tax but we don't have tax on sale of real estate, we don't have excise tax, we don't have... So down, there's no tax on the sale of real estate, so right. you are not owed any uh, transfer taxes or obviously capital gains tax is a federal thing. Right, but you got that, of course. There's no there's no transfer tax for right. a sale, okay. Right. As compared to some of the other ski towns in the US. Exactly. Okay. And we've got uh, something called a thousand year dynasty trust where, from what I understand, uh, People put their, their assets in an LLC, move that LLC into the Thousand Year Dynasty Trust, and shield their assets from federal taxes for a thousand years. The point of this is to, um, again, just from my understanding, um, keeps property in the family so generations don't have issues paying the taxes later on. Okay, so this is not income tax from Airbnb or renting it at Verbo or renting it out. We're talking about estate tax where I believe a lifetime, one time, one, it's, I think it's like $20 million or something like that mm -hmm. tax-free. But if let's just say a, a ranch or a house is worth $100 million, right. it's protected for a thousand years is what you're saying. Yeah. That's interesting, phenomenal. Yeah, so, and that just keeps, keeps the, the property in the, in the family for generations. And so you don't maybe lose it. it avoids people flipping overnight right. flippers or maybe it dis disincentivizes maybe developers from coming in or no? Uh, no, I mean, it's just, it's like, you know, sometimes you hear of families where, you know, one of the generations, you know, was extremely wealthy or in, bought this huge legacy property and it's beautiful and, um, and then the heirs lose it because they can't afford the taxes. Right. So, oh. so this kind of seems like an episode of Yellowstone again. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, so that, that's in place. And of course, again, I'm not an attorney or, so um, but, but I can, I can account it, but I can, um, there's definitely people here to, to talk to about this. And if you look on my website, colbymurphy.com, there's a page and it's, it's named tax advantages. Just click on that. I saw that. And yeah. it'll give you all that insight. And then if you have questions regarding that, I can put you in touch with the right people. The right people. Great. What's the typical single family home price down in this town in Jackson mm -hmm. versus also in Teton Village? Um, I mean, Jackson Hole in general are markets. Not condos, not just single family single homes. Single family homes. Yeah. I mean, Jackson Hole in, in general is going to be like four and a half to five million. Starting. The average. At the average. average. Okay. The average. So you can find a wreck for maybe two or three million. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah. Yeah, you could definitely get into a single family home here for, uh, you know, <clears throat> entry level is going to be probably one seven. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So for it's entry level single family home. It's not as it's somewhere a, in there. It's not as astronomical as Aspen, where the entry right. is almost ten million for a wreck. Right. For a single family. Okay. Right. And then what about in Teton Village? Um, Teton Village. I mean, that's that's prime. Oh, it's prime. Um, yeah, okay. I mean, that's that's you know single family homes in there. I mean, you you could find 
gosh, I mean, the, the, some of the dirt, some of the lots in Teton Village are, are worth nine, 10 million bucks. Okay, yeah, so, sure. that's more like Aspen than Yeah, I'm, so you, yeah. you get in there and your um, you know, average is probably 15. Probably, yeah. I mean, if okay. you get into you get because you have some you have you know some, the Uber luxury homes and yeah on the south on, on the south you know on the what we call like the original traditional um, south side of Teton Village, it's, it's the older development that, that was um, more more original and so you'll have some older homes in there that mm -hmm. are you know are dated and, and so forth that kind of bring that average down but other than that you have you know Shooting Star. Which is you know super high end. A lot in there is sold for like ten million bucks or nine million and change. And shooting star from a geographical standpoint is what is that north of the base? Is it south? Just of the, east just of the east base. Of the I mean, base. you're you're southeast of it. Walking right? distance to the base? You could. Yeah. If you really wanted to, but yeah. but most people probably right. So that so shooting star is a golf course. Uh, members there, homeowners there, have a shuttle that will take you right to the tram. Gotcha. So, How much is the membership at the golf course? Uh, the home, the last home. I heard, the membership to the club was somewhere around the four hundred thousand yeah. mark buy-in. Four hundred uh, initiation. Yeah. Plus a couple hundred thousand a year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, well, that's interesting. I. Yeah. It's very similar. Does that compete with the Yellowstone Club, or is that a totally separate? So Yellowstone Club's up at Big Sky. Yeah. So it's. Would you say it's comparable in terms um, of? No, it's a different ball game. I mean, like Big Sky has, you know, that that whole. It, they kind of have their own little ski ski runs. Private, yeah. Private Zuckerberg runs. ski resort, right? Private <laughs> runs. And in my opinion, I mean, I've I've been up there, and Jackson feels more like a community. Ah, I see. Um, That's more of like a club. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> like we're like Disney World, where people show up and and leave. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, Jackson Hole has, you know, uh, a center for the arts where we bring in really nice talent. We have. You museum know, we have you know art activities classes and for for the locals yeah you know we have tennis clubs we have you know we have a community here where people can get along yeah. with each other whereas it's, it's more of a tourist little, trap over there yeah little, yeah just a little <laughs> just a little different different thing but uh speaking yeah. of that the culture right every ski town seems to have I've been to a bunch of ski, ski towns, and they they all seem to have that that culture of like the locals versus the outsiders. It's like that move uh, the TV series Yellowstone. Do you watch it? Oh yeah, um, really cool TV series. I, I I really like it. It seems to be getting more redundant as the seasons go on, but still right. it's very interesting. But yeah, there is the battle between the legacy landowners and the ranchers versus the New York City or the LA yep. hotel developers. You know what's the atmosphere like here with the locals are they adaptive to the change or is it just kind of like similar not as violent maybe but similar to that show Yellowstone yeah luckily not as violent here in Jackson Hole <laughs> um, you know I mean that's, that's a big challenge here uh, to be honest I mean it, it, we definitely have it you know people just want to the locals here want to preserve what they have what separates us from a lot of the mountain towns is how well our town has done with that I mean if this place wasn't as uh, you know regulated with you know land development regulations and you know the protected lands, we have the Jacksonville Land Trust. We have the you know I mean, ninety-seven percent of our county is protected by national park and forest, oh, or right. or Jacksonville Land Trust or land is so, limited too. So land is very finite, yeah. um, but that's it's all about conservation, and that's what this whole town is kind of kind of centered around and the locals here I mean are, are very on board with that and it kind of you know they just don't want to see this I mean they don't want to see this turn into LA or Aspen you know like it's that's that's the culture but um, but as far as development goes I mean there's definitely guys getting things done mm -hmm. so uh, 
So the, there's, there's a lot of stuff. There's actually a lot of stuff going on right now in town that's coming in the future. Uh, Teton Village, there's a lot coming. So development's happening, development can be done, um, but it's just people want to see it done the right way. And the locals are adaptive to that change and they're accepting of it. They're just being very organizational about it. Yeah, they're highly, or, yeah, Jackson's very organized and, and it's definitely a process, but it gets done. People, so you're saying it's not like um, Westworld where you just have guys gunning each other down between <laughs> bars and streets. And no, no, we're, we're <laughs> way more sophisticated nowadays. <laughs> nowadays, you know, yeah. We come back here, you know, centuries or so prior, we'd, we'd have some problems. Probably. Yeah, some problems, right, yeah, yeah. You, you got maybe, the piano player ducking under the piano. Somebody may be going to the train station. <laughs> yeah, the train station, getting dropped <laughs> off at the train station. Yeah. Uh, tell me about some of the key lessons you learned as a real estate agent between COVID 2020 to now. I know last year was probably a frenzy for you too. Maybe 2020 is probably one of your hardest and busiest years. Right. You know, what have you learned? What are your key takeaways and what's going on today? Yeah, I mean, as far as, as, a, as a buyer's concerned, I mean, um, you know, when it was during the pandemic, you know, it was, you know, strike strike when you can because you're going to miss out. That was the deal. But, uh, you know, key, take, t key takeaways now, I mean, agent is concerned on the agent side of things. Ensure you have systems in place for lead generation and so forth. When the time comes, it's not pandemic intensity. Then what's going on with this this year as far as the market? We, had, we have a very different climate of interest rates. We have a very different climate of, of demand or we, demand of buyers perhaps just because of you know, the job market in the tech sector. And I'm sure there's a lot of tech buyers here. Right? Time tech buyers, and, a lot of remote. Um, the pandemic put us on the map mm -hmm. for uh, remote workers. Remote workers, yeah. I mean, we still we still get them. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so, would you say it's just as busy this year, or we're, we're getting into this year, or do you think things have shifted a little bit? Busier now than it was like Q4 of last year. But uh, I mean, my my buyer pools picked up quite a bit. We're still seeing stuff going to contract everywhere from small properties to you know not small, but the entry level price point all the way up to ultra ultra high end. I mean, stuff's going under. Mm -hmm. We're talking up to 40, 50 million. And we're, you know, we're talking down to you know a million five, million seven. Okay. Okay. Um, just two weeks ago, I heard of two properties uh, in the entry level one seven range, one 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 five to one seven range, and both of them had competing offers on them. Mm -hmm. So, <clears throat> I mean, it's it's starting to it's warming up. Would you operate under the pre notion that if you were working with these buyers, that you know there might not be a lot of inventory that people may have hoped buyers may have hoped, even though the rates went up. Maybe these sellers don't want to trade up into these newer interest rates if they're already locked right. in a home from what they bought 10 years ago at 3.2% on a 30-year fix. I mean, would you think that per notion applies to this town as well? Yeah, I mean, we, we haven't recovered from inventory, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. um, it's still, you know, still buyers don't have many options. Yeah. Um, so what happens when, you know, inter in, um, interest rates do go down and we have even more buyer demand. It seems like we're going to be fighting over the same houses again. Uh -huh. I don't know. I mean, okay. that's, that's what it looks like to me. Cool. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. And it seems like really insulated markets, just very wealthy insulated markets. Again, I'm going back to the Aspens, the Vales, the Breckenridge's, Beaver Creeks, yeah. Jackson Hole, Big Sky, uh, even though we don't have an office there. It seems like the concentration of wealth makes it so that the sellers don't necessarily need to sell. Right, they're already fairly wealthy. And this are, is their second home, so it's not like this is an ancillary asset for them. It's not their main thing. 
they're not really incentivized to sell and they could weather a storm. So maybe that's a that's message it. that you might be, do, do you give that message to buyers perhaps if they're at a certain price point? They're oh, like, absolutely. how come the, we're, you know, we're, we're supposed to be seeing a recession and where, how come the prices are not 30% off the peak? Right, we, we are, we were, we were insulated. Um, you know, we use that word, uh, lenders here use that word. Insulated. Um, that's, that is what it is. I mean, just, just the other, uh, in fact, I sent a, a scenario to an investor last um, last week. Uh, there was a little multifamily unit. They, they bought around like one one or under one one. Uh, I think it was like a million sixty thousand, um, and it was in the county south of us. They closed. They had. They were the buyers were notified of another buyer that wanted to give them an offer when they closed, and within ten days after closing. Those new owners closed for one three. Wow! So we're still seeing. I mean, we're, still, a, we're still seeing competing. We're still seeing some stuff like that. So. What an insane way to make a profit by <laughs> flipping homes in a very untraditional market. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it just it's so insulated is a good word. Yeah, Jackson. That's very crazy. Very cool. Now, uh, I, one last question for you. This is an interesting town. What is the major local industry here? Is it real estate brokers? <laughs> Does everybody have a license? Is it ski instructors? Is it what is the main? Is New York City is run by tech and Wall Street, right? What is Jackson Hole run by? Yeah. What's the industry here? Yeah, Jackson Hole. I mean, gosh, I mean, we, we have uh, we have you know a lot of attorneys. We have a lot of we have a lot of uh, local lawyers. Yeah. You know, for the size town we are, we have a lot of banks. Because <laughs> there's a lot of money here. A lot of money, a lot of, um, a lot of wealth managers. A lot of, uh, yeah, family offices. Yeah, uh, okay. You know, <sighs> probably surgeons. A lot of uh, broken bones. Yes, I mean we do have we have a, a fantastic hospital. Orthopedic um, surgeons. Uh, yeah, we have great uh, ortho here. And yeah, real estate. Yeah, real estate. Yeah, real estate. Everybody has it. Has Everyone a has a license. Uh, it's super saturated, you know. But again, it's the people that hustle are the ones making it. Good. Well, Kobe, so, I know you're a busy guy. You yeah. got a showing that's about to go down. So good luck yeah. with that. Where can people find you? Can you want to plug your social media and your website? Yeah, uh, Instagram is Colby underscore Murphy, and then website is just my name, ColbyMurphy.com. I'm going to plug that into the show notes for our listeners, and it will also be in the video as well. Thank you so much, Colby, for your time. Yep. I appreciate it. I'm excited for this weekend and this week with our other 14 industry colleagues from all over the United States coming in uh, and shredding and getting stoked. Yeah, it'll, uh, we have a lot lined up. It's going to be fun. All right. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much for that wealth of knowledge and learn something every day. Yeah, of course. And thank you for listening to The Real Talk Podcast. Mm-hmm.